welcome to another episode of More Content Talk. That's the only show that cuts through the glam, the glitz, and all the bullshit to bring you the truthiest news that we can find. Well, I bring you um, an article from Alternet, which is titled, Why Heterosexuality Didn't Really Exist Until the 19th Century. It's written by Thomas Rogers of Salon. And this was published on July 2nd, 2014. If it were up to these people, they would make you pay to go to the library too. And if you allow them to, they will. Do you get it yet? Do you understand that they consider you to be below them, beneath them, if you disagree with them? And eventually they'll find you. Even if you say, well, good thing I'm not... I'm not uh, in the LGBTQIA community. They'll come for you, too. They'll come for your black ass. They'll come for your brown ass. They'll come for your Muslim ass. They'll come for your um, uh, Jewish ass. It doesn't matter. Don't you see? Don't you get it? Social Darwinism changed the world, folks. Social Darwinism did not happen that long ago. It happened in the 19th century. That is not long ago. It still has huge effects on vast majorities of populations all over the country. You've seen all throughout the pandemic these uprisings of Trumpism in all kinds of different countries. They don't call it Trumpism in those countries, but it's Trumpism nonetheless. All this puffery, all this I'm a big macho man, all because of bullshit science, pseudoscience that wasn't even real never existed. These labels didn't exist until the 19th century, and yet you're hanging on to them for dear life. Why? Why are you so nervous around these people? What have these people really done to you? Why? Why are you so nervous around these people? What have these people really done to you? Nothing. And so why the hang-up? Social Darwinism. Social Darwinism comes into play in a big way. It became important to prove that you were part of the solution and not part of the problem, quote-unquote. There's always a problem, by the way. The problem is never solved. If they, if they quote-unquote, solve the problem, which generally means exterminating mass amounts of people, putting them in camps like they did with, you know, homosexuals and transgender people, whatever it was, they threw them into camps, remember? Oh, but they kept the lesbians, though. That's an interesting bit of Nazi history I bet you didn't know. They were perfectly fine with lesbianism. Just like all alpha males are. You know why? Because as long as you're willing to get up there and shake your ass for them on stage, they'll let you do pretty much anything you want as long as you're a woman. Oh, but you can't talk back, though. You can't get a job. You see where it goes? Unless you're working at the strip joint, you see. That's right. Or unless you're in the porno films. So this idea that the right is going to somehow save femininity, yeah, if by femininity you mean getting your ass on your hands and knees in the kitchen or going and being a stripper, and those are your two options, sure. If that's your idea of femininity, if that's what you want it to be, that's what you'll get from them. But they're not going to give you a job or any of this bullshit that women have now. The whole idea of women in the workplace goes against social Darwinism. 
in this pell-mell, hurly-burly, crazy new social order of the late 1800s and early 20th century. So how did this change in terminology play itself out in the real world? There was this sort of culture-wide game of telephone, if you will, in which these authoritative, medicalized ideas coming from very rarefied circles trickled down into the larger culture. I think that for people of my grandmother's generation particularly, heterosexual simply became a, a synecdote uh, for normal. And that's certainly the way Freud talks about it, that, you know, you attain heterosexuality. There's this process of attaining normality when you manage to develop yourself or to become developed in the proper way, in an appropriate way, in the way that Freud says you're supposed to, what you end up with is a heterosexual. And isn't that ironic? Um, the right constantly criticizes Freud, yet they're using his basic principles to establish uh, what, you know, is normal, is normative. So do they really dislike Freud? Or is that just a big joke on you? Just like I always say, like on Twitter, when I hashtag things, the joke's on you. Because they have you thinking one thing, but you don't even know why they think these things, and they're using Freudian ideas. And it's funny that say, the same people will say, "Well, Freud wasn't right; he was he was crazy." But you're listening to his ideas, though, so he must not be crazy. You must like him. I mean, make up your mind. But again, like I say, there's a there's a um, double-mindedness in America. They don't have one ideology. They borrow from multiple ideologies. And you get this mutant hybrid ideology of all these different ideologies. It's very um, intriguing, but also very scary in the larger scheme of things. Because once you have all these ideologies mixing, you, you're pretty much just uh, talking nonsense. And uh, you're beating your chest and even killing people over nonsense. <laughs> In his book, Gay New York, George Chauncey writes about the flip side of this, how previous to the invention of homosexuality, uh, men's sexualities were much more fluid. When you start operating on the principle that you indeed can divide people into sheep and goats, then there's also the idea that you must divide people into sheep and goats, and there are certain boundaries that cannot be crossed without reclassifying. So you see there's this need, again, for um, order. That's the daddy figure I'm always talking about. You need your daddy to, to come and organize your lunch and all your stuff and make sure you have your bag and you got to make sure the pill bottles turn the right way so you don't forget to take your medicine. And, and look, this is all fine when you're a child, but some of you are in your fucking 50s and 60s and it's time to grow the fuck up. Marriage has always had to do with sex and the ability to have marital sex and preferably procreate has always been central to marriage. But what was not so important was whether or not you necessarily wanted to have sex with that person. It was your duty. It was paying the marriage debt and you were going to do it by golly. But this was a coworker. This is a partner in business enterprise, not a person you chose to satisfy your own personal whims and desires with. If you happen to also like them and think that they were swell or pretty or handsome, then that's great. But that's not what you were in it for. Marriage is a contract. It's a, it's a, 
It's an arrangement between two people about how you're going to split up money and taxes and these things. It's to make money. Come on. Stop making it like it's some stupid religious error. It's not. It's about money. Marriage has to do with the law. Tax breaks, things like that. That's the law. That's not your religion. And now everything has changed because we now prioritize uh, attraction, desire, love, romance over the strictly economic and community building aspects of marriage. We live in a culture now where we find it very odd when women don't support themselves. If somebody chooses to be a stay-at-home mother, that is a huge change, and that's a huge change just in my lifetime. I'm in my early 40s, and I know that when I was a very small child, those discussions were not happening in the same way. The economic and legal enfranchisement of women has gone hand-in-hand with both women's and men's ability to choose marriage partners based on their own desire, desires for sex, love, companionship, all those things, and to put that first. I think that referring to it as the successes of the women's movement is a little bit of a misnomer because there have been multiple women's movements and also because it's not entirely to be credited to or blamed or organized on unorganized feminism. There's been a lot of other enfranchisement of women that's gone on as well that has actually been not identifiably feminist, which is true but definitely comes out of a very 18th century spirit of egalitarianism. That's, uh, that always uh, furthers any, you know, woman's rights cause is egalitarianism because egalitarianism is essentially about sharing and, um, you know, working together and team building, all these, all these things that work, <laughs> you know, like setting a foundation, all these things. But in general, I think that equal rights egalitarianism has had an enormous amount to do with changing heterosexuality simply because once you give women and men equal or nearly equal rights to their own economic autonomy, political autonomy, social autonomy, you change the playing field, you change the dependency relationship. Over the last decade, there's been a lot of science arguing that there are physical differences between gay people and straight people in their brains and even the direction of their hair whirls. You're skeptical of this. I question their validity primarily because nobody has established or in fact attempted to establish that there is a canonical straight body. And if you don't have characterized control, you can bet your bottom dollar I am not going to believe your hypothesis. It's really that simple. All of this research that is purporting to look for physiological material differences between gay bodies and straight bodies, what are they comparing it to? Their assumption that they know magically what a heterosexual body is? When no one has actually established what that is, that's bad science. So in other words, how the hell do you know for certain that a person is gay or straight? What do they do? Follow these people home at night and observe them? And, and even if they did, I mean, how people, people change. What's wrong with you? You don't have a control in that situation. That's nuts. And, you know, people get hit in the head and they have complete personality changes or... 
you know, maybe uh, they were keeping something inside and lying to, to keep up appearances. I mean, there's all kinds of things that's wrong with that. And this is this quote-unquote science that this is based on. This is pseudoscience. This is bullshit. Uh, the only thing they can take away from you is the illusion that this is not something that is constructed. You hear that? The only thing that they can take away from you. Because everyone says, oh, they're, gonna, they're coming for my identity. They're coming for who I am. No one can take that away from you, folks. The only thing they can take away from you is the illusion that this is not something that is constructed. And that's very, very different. Just because something is constructed as a social category doesn't mean that it's not enorm enormously meaningful. It doesn't mean that we haven't built a whole damn civilization on it. it. doesn't mean that we don't live our daily lives on it. doesn't mean that we don't use it all the time every time we're walking down the street. This is real. It's stuff that has physical manifestations in the real world, but that does not mean that it is organic. And that's the misunderstanding. I think that's the, the biggest misunderstanding is that this is not some organic thing that has always existed. It was created in the, the 19th century, for crying out loud, the end of the 19th century, not, that, not all that long ago. And you, it, it, if it's important to you to call yourself whatever label, that's fine. But just know that those things were just recently created. And so the label, the labeling is just, you know, was developed as this way to stamp you as being abnormal, which I don't think you are. I think you're, I think you're perfectly fine just the way you are, unless you're trying to like kill me or some shit, in which case we need to have a discussion. But if you're leaving me alone, if you're not bothering me, if you're nice, I mean, a lot of LGBTQIA people who are very nice people, even if you're mean to them, they're still nice. Look, you don't need to the label. You don't need to be improved. You don't, you, you're not a label. That's what I'm trying to say. And um, I'm not coming to take your label. I'm just saying that that's not what you are. You're so much more than that. And people don't have a right to look at you in that manner. All right, everyone. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in to more content talk. Remember, you can always support more content talk on Anchor. Um, you can also um, share the show around to your friends, enemies, and frenemies. All right, uh, my guys, gals, and peepels, I hope you have a phenomenal day, evening, afternoon, fiesta, siesta, downtime, chill time, lunchtime, party time, whatever it may be. And remember, when life gets you down, you can always laugh at something else. Farewell, folks.